What is up everybody? Welcome back to the Jotlarcast. Um, here with another episode. Um, trying to keep these more regular this time round. I know from my last episode it has been kind of uh, sporadic when the episodes have been landing, but that's just because I've been so busy with work. Um, but the next guest we have on today is someone I've wanted to get on the, the podcast for a while now, a couple of months. Um, since I saw some of his uh, YouTube and art station shenanigans with challenges, stuff like that. Um, and finally, after uh, some scheduling and of course uh, just making general uh, pleas of please come on the podcast, um, I finally made him cave in and uh, today we are talking to Mr. Uh, Tim Simpson. So uh, what up Tim, thanks for coming on. Hey, how's it going man? Uh, good, just finished off work so it's, uh, it's going to be nice to sit down and chat with you. Yeah, nice man, nice. Uh, yeah, so I mean... Uh, uh, we talked about kind of where you've been and, and what you've done, but uh, the first time I kind of came across your work, um, which I always feel bad for because there are so many people within this industry that, you know, never really post online or never really sit constantly and stuff, putting stuff on ArtStation or they can't because of NDA. So there's just so many people in the world you'll always miss. But then luckily during the, the Feudal Japan Challenge on ArtStation, you were quite um, kind of highlighted within your posting. You were you know, uploading via Polygon some of the Academy stuff. You're teaching people how to light and, and work within Unreal in real time. So, yeah, that's the kind of first, I think, instance I saw um, your work. Although I did see um, some of your other work, the the, the end, was end of the data core, the environment you've done is a kind of... Yeah, yeah, the, it's like a material sci-fi test. one. Yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of bookmarked that as soon as it came out as well. So um, I, before I had kind of went into your portfolio, I'd noticed that, oh, I've already seen this guy's work and thought it was really awesome. So um, ah, cool, so, thanks. Yeah, welcome, man. So, yeah, I mean, the Feudal Japan Challenge is probably a culmination of, you know, a lot of work towards years and years in the industry. Um, and we just recently talked about, you know, um, you did work for, for Ubisoft back in the day um, on stuff like Watch Dogs and Far Cry. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now you're obviously, you're in uh, Took, which is this kind of new studio that you're working with. Um, so, I'm so probably just take us on your journey. I mean, uh, maybe not so far back as school because I think people have maybe similar stories when it comes to schoolwork and stuff. But um, maybe even college, university. Did you did you study three D and and education? Yeah, uh, like I, I actually kind of do have to take it back to school because that's oh, that's, God, where, that's where I first uh, got introduced <laughs> uh, to three D and back in yeah. like uh, it would be like grade eight. Uh, I kind of had the opportunity to pick up three D Studio Max for the first time and start learning that. Um, and back, back then that was, you know, back in like the early two thousands when I was in high school, uh, okay, there was wow. yeah. the, the school that I was in was actually had a reputation for, you know, the, the grads getting jobs at EA, like, uh, uh, EA Vancouver, um, almost it wasn't shared in by chance, was it? Uh, no, no, it was a, it was a high school called Robert Bateman. Um, okay. yeah, so, so, but, uh, they, uh, EA was, uh, often snapping up grads from straight out of high school. Uh, so I saw this as a, an opportunity to not have to go to college or university or anything like oh, that. Wow. Cause I, I was, uh, I was never like a huge fan of, fan of school or anything. Um, it was just kind of like, that's my personality is like, you know, the, I don't like sitting in classrooms and being told what to do and all that stuff. So, yeah. uh, uh, so like I, I basically, I started learning, um, 3ds max back in high school and then, uh, I kind of kept teaching myself, um, and just building my portfolio and going the self-taught route. So, you know, using like, uh, Nomen DVDs or, uh, YouTube and stuff like that. And cool, yeah. there, there's definitely a lot more of it online now. Uh, oh, but yeah. I mean, there was always kind of like resources, even like books on like how to model is kind of, kind of awkward, you know, back in the day, like page, you know, okay, page 59, look at the picture, then try and find that menu. 
<laughs> in 3ds it's just horrible right like now you got video tutorials it's it's great uh so yeah i basically i worked on my portfolio um and i got my first job in the industry at a small studio in vancouver um doing it was a small outsourcing studio uh doing like environment work um when i was about i think 20 i think i signed my first contract to go work for them right a couple of days after my 20th birthday or something like that wow. so yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so I worked at a bunch of studios in Vancouver. Um, like I worked at uh, United Front on Sleeping Dogs. Uh, then I bounced over to Relic and worked on the the Warhammer 40k Space Marine game. Um, and nice. then Vancouver's industry was kind of slowly imploding. Uh, and uh, me and my best buddy, we were working at the same studio uh, at Relic at the same time. And uh, we both got headhunted by Ubisoft in Montreal. And uh, we made the jump over to, over to Montreal. So and then I worked there for the last, I don't know, five plus years at ubisoft montreal and then uh took a sabbatical for about a a year and then uh the same same buddy he was working at Tuke, uh and they had a big you know project that they were working on a big deadline he's like hey do you want to come you know take some time from your sabbatical and get back into the 3d stuff working professionally and uh yeah so i joined up joined with up with them and been having a great time since nice nice i take it uh you don't know a guy called liam wong by a chance do you Liam Wong. No, I know his work. Uh, it, it's right, the yeah. photography is a super badass, but uh, no, I never had a chance to meet him. Yeah, he was. Uh, I'm sure he was um, working within the, the Far Cry franchise. I think he'd been working it since the first iteration of the game. Um, I don't know if he's in Toronto or another studio, but um, funnily enough, he's from Edinburgh. He's Scottish as well. Um, oh, seriously? But yeah. yeah, but that was hilarious because he was on Ash Thorpe's podcast, and I, I can't. I might be misquoting Ash, but. Um, I'm sure when Ash got him on, he was he basically got him on because of his Tokyo photography, which is incredible in itself. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what um, everyone knows him for, like that that yeah. iconic like blues and pinks is just super amazing. Yeah, um, and yeah, so um, literally, uh, Ash was talking about like his photography and then about anything else he done, and Liam just kind of by the by was like, uh, oh yeah, like I work at Ubisoft as like a art director slash <laughs> yeah, yeah. guy, just you know, was, casual art yeah, director, just on the yeah. side, yeah, just earn a couple of extra bucks, and uh, and Ash was like, oh holy shit, no way, you work in games? He was like, yeah, man. So um, yeah, because uh, I remember actually seeing a lot of stuff and then looking at his backlog, and I'm like. He's worked at Crytek and he's at Ubisoft and holy shit, this guy's from Edinburgh. But yeah, it was funny how no, nobody really knew that he he done stuff from uh, the Far Cry franchise. It was just the yeah, photography yeah. stuff. But yeah, um, no, yeah, that was awesome. But I mean, uh, what what a, a kind of legacy to have worked on such amazing games. I mean, even the 40k one, the Space Marine stuff. I mean, people yeah, gave it shit that, back. That in the was day, a but... real uh, like passion project for me because it's, oh, it's probably yeah. one of the best like funnest pro- uh, productions I've ever worked on. Just a really passionate group of people. And uh, just a really, really cool, cool franchise. I'm, I'm kind of sorry to see that they never were able to make like a Space Marine 2. Uh, I think it would have been really cool, but, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, they had uh, the the Total War guys made the, the Warhammer, but no, the 40k, obviously, the, just the basic Warhammer. Yeah, and yeah. I think it was a couple of the, the FPSs that came out recently for some of the Inquisitor guys. But the best thing I think I've seen recently is the, the fan-made piece that's going about in youtube and if you've seen it and a guy is recreating like a story arc in the space marine 40k universe um just uh, just as a fan like he's he's modeled um everything himself animated it you know rendered it shot it like it's an actual movie um and it's oh, that's and cool i'll need to send you the link you probably yeah, yeah, it, for sure. it, it's been burning <laughs> up everybody's everybody's uh been going on about it the guys basically took the project and myself you know i mean you look at the shots you would honestly think it was a whole studio working on it, but it's just, I think it's one, maybe two people. Um, and actually just watching it, you're like, God, man, I wish they'd make this into a full-length movie because it's incredible. Oh, that's awesome. Um, 
So so yeah, so yeah, the Warhammer obviously, and then Watch Dogs, um, and then Far Cry, yeah, some massive franchises, and then. You say you took a sabbatical, so were you just stepping away from AAA just to focus on learning more, or was it the Polygon stuff? Or yeah, like uh, well, I, I took some time off. Like uh, I, I, you know, I got the travel bug for a while, uh, so I decided, you know, do a bit of traveling. I also like really enjoy scuba diving and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, I've been, you know, I've been doing games for almost ten years at that point. So it was, you know, time oh, yeah. time for a bit of a break, right? Uh, but then I started developing the idea of Polygon Academy while I was on my sabbatical. I'm like, you know, this could be a, a cool little side hustle I could turn into a business. Um, so I've got kind of like long term plans for that, uh, which should be pretty dope. But uh, right. it was, yeah, it's like it's you know, I've I've always been passionate about doing like environments and 3D art and just uh, the the game industry in general. So yeah. you know, having an outlet to do, to kind of put that creative energy into um, is, is is a fun little uh, you know side hustle right now. So. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, because I mean, when I originally saw the 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 postings, I actually thought you were associated with Polygon dot com. I think. <laughs> yeah, I, no. yeah, I think. But they're, I think they're they're basically a news outlet for games. I think. Yeah, or, yeah, they're kind of yeah, they're kind of like Kotaku or IGN or whatever. So. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of like, oh, that's cool that they're doing three D stuff now, and then I kind of dig deeper, and I was like, oh, this must just be something that Tim's working on. So, um, so yeah, that's awesome that you've you've kind of took that and, and made a, yeah, because like, I feel that sometimes there's a, a not a healthy balance of pro stuff that is free that helps people into i mean this is the whole point i started the podcast right it was yeah, to help yeah. guys like me students people who had a lot of questions to to sit with pros and talk about their experiences their journeys and hopefully inspire and educate people who didn't know what to do because when i started back in 2011 because i left another career like as an engineer to come back into games um yeah the the wasteland that was learning online was quite bad and like you said and i was only having stuff like you know, uh, no mon or a couple of maybe YouTube tutorials, but there was nothing really in between. Um, you either had to pay for stuff or, or you, you had to go to a school. And unfortunately, I went the school route because I didn't really know any better. I didn't know I could have taught myself. But yeah, like it's, it was, um, I mean, I've got a degree to it, so it's not a total waste. But at the same time, I, I did wish there was more online resources because um, there wasn't stuff like Learn Squared or, or Cube Brush or anything really. So yeah. Um, so yes, it's good that you have that aspect now. You want to reach out and help people. And yeah, is that like, going to be something you're going to turn into a website as well? Or is it just the YouTube channel? Or yeah, it's it's going to be like I have a website where I start. I basically it started when I started writing uh, some articles, kind of like you know how to apply to game studios, uh, why your portfolio needs to be on ArtStation, uh, because mm-hmm. I, I I I go on Polycount all the time, and I I found myself writing these like massive like one or two thousand word posts over and over and over, just trying to give like <laughs> give the give the younglings some advice, right? And uh, yeah. And my friend was like, "Dude, you could like turn those into a book or or something like that. You're you're writing like novels here." Uh, so yeah. I, I kind of started writing these articles, um, and it kind of started building the brand like that. And uh, th- they got shared around a bunch. Uh, so I do have a website. It's just polygonacademy.com, uh, just like Polygon Dash Academy. Uh, and uh, so that's where those I got a few articles up on there. But the, my main focus lately has been the the YouTube uh, side of things, and that's been like a lot more popular, just because it's you know it's easier to to show. Uh, and demonstrate with you know screen recording and stuff like that um so yeah i'm definitely focused on building that up but uh yeah because i mean for me being self-taught like i said in the beginning like resources were kind of you know not that super available so i know this i know the struggle even for students in in like uh art school or game art design programs or anything like that uh you know sometimes there's varying levels of education right so and it's the opportunity to learn from an industry insider is something i would have loved as a you know, like a young kid learning. So I kind of want to put some stuff out that's like relevant 
to current industry stuff. And there's also like, I, I'm, I have a huge content plan for a lot of information on like, you know, how to get into the industry, tips for interviews, just general industry uh, kind of like thoughts and opinions, because a lot of the stuff is like, that's out there is like, oh, here's how you model a car. Here's how you do this. Right. And there's not a lot of like the, okay, how do I network within the industry? Stuff like that. Um, that is just kind of like this big unknown blank for a lot of people, right? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I mean, it's it's like I said, it's hard because you want to have people obviously worthy of their time. So you can't expect people to put stuff out for, for nothing because then obviously it feels like, well, I can do this, but then if I still have to have a main job to, you know, serve that income, then what's the point? I really need to see a, a revenue stream coming in. And it's funny when... You know, we I talked to one of my friends today. We were talking about the layoffs at EA, and he was saying about guys who are freelance now. We need to stop talking to each each other as freelance artists and more as small business owners, because he says yeah. the future of like people working in in games as more like a freelance or just lots of studios, outsource studios that will gather freelancers together to work on projects. Um, which is a super interesting question, actually, because you've been in the industry for ten years now. So, I suppose I could put it to you. I mean, I don't know how much you want to speak about it, but you know over the last couple of years through networking events I've went to and you know I, I know people personally at Blizzard at EA and yeah the layoffs the last six months even at Telltale um where do you see game studios going do you see them just being smaller and more refined or do you see it be more freelance and guns for hire or how do you kind of view it yeah I mean I think you'll you'll always have like massive studios like uh say Ubisoft Montreal it's like three thousand people like I don't think it's right. going anywhere it's subsidized by the government all that stuff um it it is becoming this this crazy game of like you know if your game doesn't sell twenty million units you're probably gonna get laid off or something like that but yeah. then you do also have like the, the little two three man superhero teams that put out something like say super meat boy or uh Astroneer or something like that, where it's a smaller team that just has a, a, a not a, a seemingly overnight success. Obviously, it's not overnight. They uh, they yeah. work on it for years, right? That's just how no, of it course, works. yeah, yeah. But um, and then they, they crush it, and then they can you know reinvest all that capital into building their own studios. Yep. And uh, I think that that middle ground is of like you know smash uh, smash it and like uh, independent smaller game is kind of like getting eaten up. Yeah. Um. So I, I think you'll you'll start to see a lot of these smaller studios that you know have these big hits uh, start to grow, and they'll they'll kind of like be you know working um, with uh, small to medium teams and and hopefully continue to put out uh, hits as they grow. But it's it's almost like the life cycle, right? Like it's same thing happened in Vancouver. All these you know studios, uh, smaller studios started up like uh, Black Box back in the day. They get yeah. bought out by EA, and then you know like. 10 years later they get closed down all those yeah. people splinter off and, and form studios but i mean it's it's always been an industry where there's you know been layoffs and stuff like that but uh yeah. that's, that's actually kind of goes back to that point you were talking about with freelance and stuff like that is one of the biggest things i think art especially artists can be doing these days is just building an audience and that's like a big part of the reason why i'm doing the whole polygon academy project is right that's like you know, if, if you if you ever listen to stuff like Gar what uh, Gary V or or um, you know all these guys are talking about is like build an audience. Media, man. Yeah, man, dude, my, my, that, my that, boy. That's, that's the whole approach <laughs> that I'm taking to Polygon Academy is just like put out good content uh, that people want to consume, and yeah. then every now and then release a premium product or something like that. Like for sure, I put out all this free content. One of these days, I'll probably make like a super in depth course, put that out, and uh, then continue to put out more and more free content for everyone. Right. So there's something for everyone. But uh, the thing is, if you've been doing that while you're, say, you're employed for like five years and then you suddenly get laid off, you don't have to hit the panic button. 
right? Like yeah. you have a side income uh, or, I mean, there's people out there that are just crushing it. Like look at uh, like Jonas Ronegard. He, he, he collabs with other artists. Yeah. He makes yeah. the, all these dope alpha packs, stuff like that. That's just super usable. And I, I, like, I have no idea the guy's income, obviously, and stuff like that. But I would say that he probably isn't too scared if he was, you know, to get laid off. He's not going to be like, well, I guess I got to eat the the Mr. Noodle diet for the next six months uh, while I search for a job, yeah. right? It's like, oh, that's that's minorly inconvenient. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's I'm, the thing is like, yeah. I think people, if they want to stay uh, on top of that kind of situation is you have, to, you have to put in the extra elbow grease. And I think that's for almost every industry these days is... You know, if, if you're not doing something to financially support yourself on the side, you're just going to be in, in a, a bad position if something, if you're not prepared for it, right? So, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, like, the, I was speaking to one of the guys actually I interviewed. He was my last interview, uh, Moses St. Fleur, and he's up in uh, Montreal just now with um, CC2. I think it's Cyber Connect or whatever. Yeah, the guys. yeah they I was just chatting with him on, uh, on Facebook Messenger the other day. Oh, nice. Yeah. So Moses, super awesome guy. I obviously, I saw all of his stuff early on, but he's actually building an environment art course at the moment. Um, like a start to finish. This is how you make an environment in real time. This Finish this course start to finish and you will get a job. Um, he's working on that just now, but that's also his side hustle because he knows that, you know, great, he's got a job just now and that's his first job. But he's like, yeah, the studio could close tomorrow. You know, the guys yeah, in Japan yeah. could be like, nah, we're done. We're pulling out of, out of Canada and then... Yeah, what does he do then? Because does he have to go back to Miami? Can he sustain? So uh, as the same with me, well, I mean, I, I think digital art cast was a way for me to have something on the side I could use or utilize for publicity. Um, and then obviously, I think once I get good enough at 3D, I could start going the same route as Moses and teaching Gumroad's, uh, you know, stuff on academies. I could learn, do courses for people. So yeah, I think it is one of these things. I mean, even today, I was just uploading, like I'd done a whole month of speed modeling, basically, and I had about 30, 40 models that I just made every day. Um, and I was kind of sitting with the, the files and the OBJs and I was like, I could fire these on like Sketchfab or like Cubebrush and like, you know, for five or each and see if somebody just buys them. And yeah, yeah I think I mean, I, it's just experimenting, right? Like yeah. you're, you're going to be outputting stuff anyway. So it's just, you might as well try and find ways to either monetize it or, uh, mm. and it's especially like if you're doing tutorials and, um, you know, just creating content that people find useful is you're going to establish yourself as an expert in your field, which, yeah. which only gives you more opportunity, right? Like the amount of, people that uh ever since i started making youtube videos and stuff like that have just been hitting me up like with you know hey do you want to come work here do you want to come work here it's it's it just creates more content that people can come across you so yeah. even even for students right like it a student could create uh basically exactly what i did like a vlog of their next project and yeah. you never know who's going to share it and it's going to pop up in someone's linkedin feed and then a recruiter is going to be like oh i like that uh sculpted ruins like hey we're hiring for like uh you know the next uh, Assassin's Creed or Prince of Persia or something like that. Who knows? Uh, and it, it, that's exactly what we need. And then they just, yeah. you know, get in contact, right? Oh, dude. I mean, like the podcast in itself has been, I mean, I remember went to industry workshops in London last year. And I was just standing at the end of the night when, you know, we're just sitting having a drink and, and, and talking amongst people. And I had like two or three people just come up to me and be like, oh, you know, Gordon, I love the podcast. It's really inspired me. And I'm sitting there like, oh thanks like you know <laughs> what do you say to that like i've no idea like you know I, I mean i've done it myself i've walked up to some of my, my biggest idols and said oh, i love your work and they've been like oh thanks man like but yeah the podcast thing i never saw somebody actually walk up to me and be like oh you know your your interview with scott robertson like really changed my perspective on learning and i was like what the fuck but then even then i remember um one of the guys uh i met at thu um not that i can say too much about it just now but like I've been basically offered to work on like this massive project with somebody because of the podcast. Um, and I was like, holy shit, you know, like where did that come from? But yeah, um, exactly. I mean, like you're just, you're providing 
Uh, even if like, say, you know, you're a student or, you know, you're trying to get into the industry or whatever, you're providing those people value too, right? Like for them to try and sit down and create their own podcast, that's like a big headache. So, I mean, for you to have a platform that you can just say, hey, do you want to come uh, be on the podcast? It'll give you some exposure. It's like, it's a, a nice value exchange, right? So it's, oh, yeah. it, it only, you're putting them on and then they're happy to give you a bunch of information, right? Because it just removes right, yeah. the headache of, of them having to sit down and figure it all out. So yeah. it, it's a win-win. I mean, there's there's so many even just avenues now you can just leave stuff on and you don't even need to be near a computer i mean i found a loophole where um you could basically i think it was restream it's a website where basically if you if you cast through obs like if you stream stuff um you can use restream to basically send it to like 20 different sites you're signed up to all at once so you can be constantly live on like all these platforms in one go so i basically just run all the episodes of the podcast on repeat um and then use restream to, to broadcast them to like twitch and um uh, Microsoft's own thing and, and uh, you know YouTube and everything you should live um, and just had it playing like 24-7 I just called it Digital Artcast TV and the amount of subscribers and extra views I got just by people just coming across it and clicking on it and you know just I just had to leave oh, yeah. uh, a PC on repeat and it was you know and you could probably do the same with Polygon and just you know just leave it on you know put those couple of videos you've got on the YouTube channel up and repeat and people can just come across and watch them and you know people were just chatting amongst themselves at one point but you know, you don't even really need to be, you know, making a huge effort now. Things can just automate themselves um, to the point yeah, you don't have exactly. to be involved. So, yeah. like, I mean, that's that's even like a point that you could kind of apply to, like, say, growing your art station is like a lot of students, they they kind of sit there and they're like, oh, it's so intimidating to post my my work on art station. Uh, you know, no one's ever going to see it. But the, the, the sooner you start posting work, like you're just going to start accumulating followers and people that are, you know, paying attention to your work. Right. So there's instead yeah. of just waiting to have the perfect piece of art like just start doing these little jabs of content bombs like seeing like uh, how it performs trying to learn how ArtStation works like for me i'm constantly playing with it like i treat it just as a social media platform and yeah. not, i don't just view it as just my portfolio i'm like this is a social media platform and how do i figure out how it works how can i figure out how the the algorithm works so that i can have a better chance of getting my stuff into trending which means more people are going to see it uh yeah you know what i mean like all, all people are like uh, oh, you got to post just final work, but I'll make a work in progress gallery post while I'm working on a project. Yeah. And then I'll, yeah. re- I'll hide that and then I'll repost my final art just to get like all those, uh, all the followers, like, you know, if they get notified, you just reposted. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, it's it's just a good way of just playing with the system and seeing how it works, right? So if you start as a student, like it's only going to benefit you when you're you're trying to start actually looking for a job. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I mean, I was, and I was actually involved in a a feedback thing where I got to speak to some of the guys at ArtStation um, last month, and Leonard and his team are also doing a great job. In fact, they just launched an update for the iOS app where you can download your your portfolio for offline viewing. Yeah, I was like, oh I, my I god, on the, my metro right on. The oh, like, I've been waiting for that feature for so long. Like, oh my god, but um, but yeah, like uh, they do such an amazing job. And I was basically saying that I could see ArtStation as like. You know, if you mix elements of Facebook social media in there, it could almost become a social media platform for artists. Um, I really feel like that's its next step, basically, is integrating. Oh, like you I, know. I would say it, it already is like the social media platform for artists. Like it has, yeah. compared to the amount of traction your work will get on, say, Instagram, uh, ArtStation, it's just like the exact niche community of digital artists. Like it's your entire target audience in one spot, yeah. right? So Definitely. you're you're removing a lot of the noise of Instagram um or pinterest is just like it's super hard to navigate there's no personal connection uh so i would say it, it already is the social media platform of for artists you have the blogging features uh and like to to be honest if you one of the tips i would say to people like especially students looking to grow their their art station following is go and like 
actually engage with people. Like a lot of people, they'll post amazing art and then you'll look at the comments and it's like, oh, nice work. Oh, that's so cool. It's so amazing. But like what, what I started doing actually to provide value to people on ArtStation is I'll actually search for, you know, 3D student and I'll go into their por- uh, portfolio or their profile and I'll, I'll go and actually I'll leave like a big meaningful comment on their on their art. Uh, maybe right. like a, yeah. a critique or even like people like my peers or stuff like that you know people that are already in the industry instead of just saying like oh this is amazing i'll try and you know sometimes leave a big like oh this is really cool I like the surface materials how did you achieve this and you just start that dialogue going yeah. and that's how you can really start to get the most out of it and you i think by doing that like you just will naturally start to accrue uh people that are following you because they actually want to know your opinion or they want to know what you're into right so it's uh, it's uh, that's a good thing that I, I don't see a lot of people doing. They they think, oh, why would I give a critique to someone's portfolio piece? Uh, it's like, well, it's just an opinion, right? Like, don't don't yeah. be an asshole about it. Be like, oh, this sucks. Be like, oh, that I really like this. I like I, I like to go for the 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 turd sandwich approach, right? It's like things I like, <laughs> things I don't like, and then cap it off with something that's like, oh, you can yeah, you can totally like. I re- I also really like this about your work. And that, yeah. that way, you you know, it's like a win-win for them, especially for students, right? Like, they're not left there with like, oh, this guy crushed me. It's like, no, I, this is cool. You could work on the, maybe you work on the lighting, work on the materials. And, oh, I really liked how you added the all the sci-fi cables all over the floor. That's really cool. And then yeah. for them, they're like, oh, that's that's awesome. Like, some good feedback. And uh, it's just, you just become a member of the community, right? Yeah. I mean, definitely when you get to a, a point where people would view you as a pro you know then you would maybe no be harsher with your feedback be like oh dude i mean you totally missed the light in here you really should have but then you know when people are pros they can almost handle that feedback you know people are people some people might or might not be able to handle it but yeah that's, that's, I mean, that's a big one <laughs> yeah because when I mean, a student and just starting like if you're walking in here like oh man you're fucking lighting it's terrible what are you doing like they'll be like oh fuck and um, they'll just get up and move away because yeah yeah, yeah exactly. it just discourages them yeah and like I, I actually find like that's a big difference between a pro, like a even like a junior and a senior artist, but especially like a student is a lot of times they'll get really uh, like the the person with the, not as much experience they'll get really defensive or come up with excuses. Like I used to do this all the time. Like oh uh, yeah, that's I was uh, I didn't think of that, but uh, you know technically it would be like this because of this. And uh, yeah, yeah. A, a lot of times like pros they they're looking for that critique, right? Yeah. Or they're or they're yeah. like oh yeah, cool, I didn't think of that. That's 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 awesome. But like uh. A big sign of like a, a junior artist or a student is like they'll usually get defensive or be like, oh, well, I, I, I just think it looks better like that. And they, they don't really have a justification of why. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, that's if, if you find yourself getting really defensive about your work, like maybe take a step back and be like, yeah, look at it from both angles. I mean, it's cool to be like, no, actually, I like it the way it is. But uh, chances are, if someone like in the industry is giving you feedback, uh, you know, it's at least consider their their opinion. Right. So. Oh no, definitely. I mean, I think this is where it's. This was recently a point of contention for me on on social media, but I posted. I even done a blog, but I kind of I retorted it eventually because people were just taking the wrong end of the stick. But what I was basically talking about in in my blog was, I've listened too much to too many people on like you should do this, you should read this book, you should do this tutorial, and I've been know enough in my own head of well, what works for me because you know as people learn there are various ways you, you know you can learn online tutorials do videos you can do books you can speak to somebody you can go to a school for it but you have to find what works for you because you know i might you know i hate sitting down with books sometimes i really can't focus as much but i could watch a tutorial through a video for ages but um yeah i was i was too many you know people what is it the, the saying they say too many chefs in the kitchen so you know there was yeah so many people saying you need to do this you need to do it and i'm always like all right and then i'd go learn this and go there and yeah it's, it was hard for me just to 
yeah, stand that, and say, that's a big yeah, one, yeah. man. Like, uh, I, yeah. I would say that comes down to like developing just like self awareness, right? Like, uh, for, for me, like from the, from the get, like I kind of knew that oh, I don't want to go to college or university. Mm. Uh, but for like, I'm not saying that that's the best thing for everyone, right? Like, so there's a lot of people that can use the structure or the the you know I'm going to pay ten grand, so I got to actually finish my portfolio to do it. Um, so like, it's you kind of got to look and sit down with yourself and be like, do I have the self discipline to build my portfolio alone in my mm. basement, or is school going to yeah. be something that's you know, uh, maybe something that'll give me some structure and then having that incentive to finish it will be good for me. And it's, mm. that's, that's a big one is just develop that self-awareness. Cause a lot of people like to say that, like, Oh, I'm just going to work on my portfolio, you know, alone by myself in my parents' basement, but then they'd rather go play PlayStation. So, oh, God, it, it, yeah. I mean, it, whereas like some structure could maybe get them through to the end. Right. But I mean, that's, yeah. that's a big one. I think that's been my hardest hurdle has been since I graduated, and working on my portfolio, you know, taking that time to get up in the morning and saying, right, I'm going to work on this or I'm going to do this. Yeah, the temptation to sit on Facebook or play a video game is is way too high, you know, for me to, to almost focus on, on minimal tasks. And I think it was easier when I was doing the speed sculpting because, which I really want to go back to, and that was the point is that, the I mean the guy I'm working with just now, my mentor, is is really awesome and you know he's a really accomplished artist. Um but you know when I was doing the speed model and eventually he was saying, you know, oh, okay, well you've done enough of that, now move on to something long term. But I just basically stopped doing the speed model and, and I feel like doing something like or doing something and publishing it every day was giving me motivation to also work on long term projects. So I really need to go back to learning those things and doing those things I think every day because for me it was it was generating a structure where I would make something every day and then it would also push me to work on other things um but without a task kind of set in my head or planned out on a bit of paper yeah it's it's hard for me you know to get up every day and and make something um because I'm still you know I mean I had an interview not too long ago I think I mentioned it to you at a games company and yeah basically the, the feedback was your stuff's good but just you know you're not quite there and um still try to get up after that and make more stuff is difficult man it's oh, really yeah, hard for for sure and i mean like that's uh that's a big one like kind of what you were just talking about like having and doing something every day as as like i still struggle with that for sure and, and like there's some yeah. days where i totally do slack off and i'm you know i'm gonna sit down and play playstation whatever but I, I th- the more you can like what you were doing with the, the daily things is it builds a really like positive momentum right so you, you have this feeling of accomplishment and it that just like exponentially increases the more you do it so like yeah. there's a I don't know if you've, you've everyone's seen his work Beeple he, he does like a an oh awesome image every day right so I mean Jesus. like uh, for him to sit down that's almost it becomes a habit probably right he sits yeah. down at his computer and I would imagine and would just start working but like the second you stop and then you it that momentum can start to reverse right like so for me yeah. when I was when I was doing all those videos during the the feudal challenge doing all the polygon academy like tutorial videos it became easier and easier to sit down and get in the groove of of making videos and making tutorials but then when the challenge finished i I was like you know what i'm going to take a couple weeks break and then i didn't make another video for like uh you know a month and a half or something like that so yeah for me i still got to sit down and kick my own ass and say you know it's time to do another video try and get into like a weekly or something like that but uh, the more you can build that positive momentum and more importantly the habit of just doing it like if if you sit, sit down at your computer at the same time, every day after work, if uh, say you're not in the industry and you're like, okay, I'm working at a, a restaurant and I'm going to go home and work on my portfolio. If you make sure that like the second you get home, like you kick off your shoes uh, and, and you sit down at your computer instead of going and sitting on the couch and like, you know, just chilling yeah. and you, yeah. you build that habit of sitting at your computer in, in your brain, it's like, okay, it's time to work. 
Um, and, you know, do that for a month and you're going to start getting a lot better results, I would find. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 so many, there's a million actually, people out there who are um, doing videos on, you know, motivation and, and, you know, doing these things and getting up in the morning and, and, you know, making these commitments to do things every day. And, you know, I think it is a thing where, people want results too fast and I remember back in the day when I was at university we, I worked with a, a young guy actually who was uh, who's went on to do amazing things now but he even told about you know I think somebody approached him in our final year and looked at his work ethic and was saying oh my god man because he used to sit like you know 10 o'clock at night in the university and do work and that was a reason to go higher but um but then you know he was getting offers left right and center but he was saying to guys when they were talking about his work ethic and then year four why he's so accomplished and he was like you know, I started by doing maybe 30 minutes a day, but I'd done it every day. And then, you know, I just bumped it up initially from 30 minutes to an hour and then from an hour yeah, to, you know. exactly. Like start small. Yeah. Like, like everyone always sets this goal of like, I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. I'm going to do this. And it's, it just becomes unattainable, right? Yeah. Uh, or unsustainable. Uh, it's, it's like yeah. a, a, it's like, it's like kind of like a diet, right? Like you got to change your lifestyle. It's like I can't just have lemon water for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's like you just actually have to change your lifestyle, right? So it's – but yeah. uh, for, uh, the, the patience thing is huge, man. Like everyone always kind of looks at my work or sends me messages being like, oh, man, you're in the industry blah 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 and what they don't realize is it took me like six years from the day i first opened 3d studio max to when i got my first industry job right so i, I always get emails and messages from like students that are maybe just starting their game design program and they're like a year a year and a half in they're like oh i want to get a job at a studio but i just started doing 3d modeling like i, I think i'm almost you know i'll be there soon and <laughs> may, maybe they will if, they, if they're like gonna do it every single day like i i think oh, someone yeah. could probably go to be you know zero to hero and be industry ready in like a few years if they really buckled down of course um, but like a lot of people don't even like to hear that like a few years like are you kidding me yeah. <laughs> like yeah man it's it's the long game right and having having a goal uh is really going to help you sit down and and you know i want to work at this studio at by x year you know like so someone might be like i want to go work at naughty dog uh five years from now or, or you know 10 years from now uh, and to some people that's like 10 years, I'm out, like back on the yeah. couch playing video games. Right. So, I mean, you can cut that to micro goals. Like I want to finish, uh, one environment every two months or something like that. So, and then yeah. that, you, ha you structure your goals like that. Right. So, yeah. but, uh, the long-term view is, is key. Cause there's a lot of impatient students out there that are, oh, I'm not in the industry. I, I just suck. And they start beating themselves up. They're like two years in, oh, yeah. they're like, I can't make a, an awesome, you know, substance material like Daniel Tiger or whatever. Uh, and it's just, you need that perspective of, of take a breath, like sit down and make like 10 environments and then discard the first six that you made. And then now, yeah. you, now you're going to start working on your, your professional portfolio. Right. So it's, yeah, that, that, that's I mean, one of the biggest pieces of advice I usually give students is once you finish school, like now the real grind begins. So, so like, probably you're going to throw away your entire art school portfolio and start fresh, uh, yeah. with all the skills that you just learned. Right, because yeah. like, I mean, who's going to show yeah. something that they just made with the the first time that they learned a skill? Right, it's like if I go to become a chef, I'm not going to show the first cake I bake. I'm going to bake a thousand cakes, and then I'll you know consider myself ready. Right, so yeah, I think it's definitely the way I think I would going to approach it now. And even with the daily stuff, even though I was posting things every day, um, I was even thinking of an alternative where you know I would do work for seven days straight or make things every day for seven days, and then maybe pick the best two, you know, and, and upload them. Yeah, um, yeah, but I mean it, it's infectious as well because I noticed that a couple of the guys that you know are regular on my Facebook when I was posting every day. I remember one of the guys I knew from TH who had posted something really awesome, and 
I was saying that's really awesome, man. Well done. And he was like, Oh yeah, dude, it's because of your like daily posts. It's really inspired me to get out and working. And I'm like, you know, it was the same when I done my Hearthstone challenge years ago, where I basically uh, painted a Hearthstone card, like studied it um, every day for a month. Um, so I ended up doing thirty illustrations, and you know, people got super inspired, and I was getting featured in different blogs and stuff. And then like obviously, like somebody from Blizzard even reached out to me, and you know i think the the consistency of of daily work really is something that needs to be instilled in a lot of students i mean even when i was doing my speed modeling and i was posting every day i was getting emails from people i mean i got that job offer that that one i went and interviewed for that was the reason i got it because the guy had noticed i was posting every single day and i was making competent models so he was like oh yeah dude you'd probably be good for the job but um but yeah i think doing stuff maybe not daily but regularly is very key consistency is like it's the biggest thing man like that way you're, you're if, like you said you're if you're posting every day or every few days like if you look at the people with the like uh huge art station followings like say Raphael Lacoste like look at i mean not only is he like an amazing artist but like look at his gallery and it's like full to the brim like he's posting every couple days right and you can always audit your portfolio too right like for me there's a couple like of my old work i should probably go and just remove or delete but like i'm yeah. you know i'm i'm employed i'm not looking for a job or anything like that so yeah. for me it's cool just leave it there but like if i was to say suddenly be unemployed and be like really frantically looking for work i would go and do a harsh audit on my portfolio and yeah. uh just because there's something in your your gallery doesn't mean it has to stay there forever right like people get so romantic yeah. and attached to it like yeah. the, the out of say out of the 30 things that you made uh yeah like you said even if there's two that that's that's great and not only that, but like just the amount of skills and speed you would develop doing those 30 things, that's like yeah. where the real value is, right? Like it's putting your 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 output on steroids and it's just like 30 at-bats instead of just sitting there on, you know, swinging twice in a year, right? Like you're, you're smashing like new pieces yeah. of work out over and over and over and over and eventually you're going to strike gold with a couple of them, right? So... Yeah, I think even the fact that, you know, with ArtStation as well, within it, you can set well what they call tabs so you can have you know your projects split into different you know tabs so that you know like my main one or my one called main is the the front thing you see as soon as you click on my profile but then i've also gone for speed modeling one for publication interviews and one for studies so you know as long as mains the first thing that comes up and people see that that's fine but you can also have things that are dedicated to like my speed modeling one is just full of every model i made over the 30 days but you know it's not the first thing you see so it's fine as long as it's hidden away but if the main thing people see is the main thing then yeah you can fill it as as i think as long as you're you're um what's the word um organizing it in a way that people can see the the good stuff first then yeah sure fill your boots with stuff every day but um i think sometimes it can get a bit dangerous if you're just posting a million things and then as soon as you click on someone's profile it's like well where is the latest stuff what's the best he's got if it's just you know reams and reams of artwork for sure like that that's where like auditing the port's like if you're actively looking for work for sure audit your portfolio um and you know hide some of the stuff or delete some of the stuff yeah. you don't want but i mean is, doing those like big content blasts like that that's also like a per- perfect opportunity to be posting daily on like say if you have an instagram too right like it's just yeah. the same content distributed across all these different networks um yeah. you know same thing put it on linkedin there's probably going to be a bunch of people that are inspired by seeing your consistency uh and that's where a lot of producers and hr like to hang out too right so there's if so- yeah. if they're seeing someone's being super consistent um that's a big big win for uh anyone that's kind of trying to you know what's this person all about oh they're doing art every day they're they must be passionate like let's take a deeper look and for for me that's the thing is like i just want those like little uh come across little things where i'm like that's interesting let's take a deeper look like if, if some student was like saying oh i'm gonna make a vlog 
every week on for my journey from art student to my dream job at uh, Blizzard or Naughty Dog, yeah. like I would watch that. Like that would be something as even though I'm, you know, supposedly uh, an industry pro, <laughs> supposedly yeah, yeah, yeah. in air quotes here, an industry uh, professional. Like to me, that would be just an interesting piece of content that I would, I would consider like probably watching if it was good. Right. And then yeah. you never know. You watch that person develop for a year and then you, you become a fan of them. And they're, you're like you got a little like fanboy crush on them, too. And you're like, oh, cool. Oh, this person's like, you know, moving to Montreal. Hey, maybe we should give them an interview. It, yeah, it's just definitely. like people's awareness of, of of your online presence is is super super critical like that's that's how it works in 2019 <laughs> to be honest yeah definitely and i feel like that's the way that's happened as well with um you know like there's a, a guy i don't know if you know him but uh he does a channel called like it's no clip where it's basically danny danny dwyer yeah he, yeah. And he, yeah he's done the documentary i think the first one he done was on that studios and the real Lisa doom and then he done one on fallout and those kind of things, like I think, are just instrumental in people's interest in the industry because it's fine seeing tutorials and whatever, but there's never really as much bio or an autopsy of what it takes from day to day. And oh, this week, you know, I've done this tutorial and I, I finished this piece of work. And I think that was something I was wanting to do with Digital Artcast on the side was make a small, almost documentary of me trying to get in the industry. But in an essence, it was harder because. I think then taking time away to post stuff on on YouTube takes away time from working on stuff on your portfolio. And <laughs> oh man, hard, that, that was me yeah. on the, that art station challenge. It was like you know, uh, to, to, for some backstory uh, of that challenge. Um, yeah. Basically, I was on sabbatical, so I, I decided I saw the challenge posted. I was like, oh, that's perfect. I'm going to use that as like a launching pad for Polygon Academy. I ordered a camera. And then literally 30 minutes after I ordered that camera, this is how life likes to mess with you. Uh, my buddy Lincoln called me up and was like, oh, hey, by the way, Tuke, we're looking for someone to come and work for us. Uh, would you be interested? And I was like, oh, man, there's my, you know, I was like, this this challenge is going to be so easy. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to work eight hours a day on it. And then I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll, I'll take, you know, the job at Tuke. Um, yeah. But by also documenting, like, that took a whole extra night per week right so yeah. it's like i would i would technically be working you know four or five days on the the challenge making the art but then i would have to dedicate a whole day to shooting and editing a video uh, which was actually yeah. really cool because I, I learned a whole bunch of new skill set there right like editing yep. uh and it, it's only benefited me in in mul multiple multiple ways um but yeah it, it definitely is a huge huge time investment to do that like you know shoot a video and then edit it for like four to six hours is it's yeah. kind of crazy, but I mean, it's it's fun. Uh, I enjoy it, but it's it's the the payoff, right? Like I have had you know people hit me up that wouldn't have because they've seen those videos. So yeah. is that four hours invested, you know, worth it? Probably. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's difficult as well because yeah, you think about the, the 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 exposure you'll get for that as well, but then as one of the things where you think, oh well, will it will it take away from my time? Is the, but then I think I'm I'm lucky just now where I am because. Yeah, like I haven't got much going on, so yeah, I have more um, free time. But then uh, I'm going to be moving soon, so um, yeah, it's going to be uh, not even just moving, like moving country. So it, I'm I'm thinking about how my setup's going to be affected whilst that happens, and if I'm going to have time. But yeah, because we even thought the place we we're moving to would be quite um, picturesque as well, so we could do vlogs about that. But again, it's just something I feel like, uh, and I'd, this has been my entire struggle for the last five years because I used to be very active in different things, probably because I had a full time job as an engineer, but you know, outside of that, um, I played music in bands, I played different instruments. I had like a YouTube channel that was for gaming and I, you know, I used to do more or less weekly uploads on that. Um, and I managed to balance it all, but I've always felt like 
you know, like, oh, what's the point of picking up the guitar or drums again? Because, you know, that's not going to contribute towards my art career. But then I think it's also a thing where people have talked about well, having hobbies outside the art is something that also will inspire your art because, yeah, you have to take a break away from that stuff as well. Yeah, as, as absolutely, man. Like, uh, for me, uh, I love traveling, going, like, you know, strapping on the backpack and go backpacking for a month or whatever. Like, yeah. what I rode a, a motorcycle all the way across Vietnam and that that only it like set to inspire me right like i while doing that i was thinking how is this gonna oh i want to make a, a cool rice paddy scene or something like that you know like okay. some old like uh, ho chi minh highway scene that would be dope i'll snap all these pictures now i now i know what the the back alleys of bangkok smells like so but if i ever go and create like a really cool back alley scene like that i know what that the you know the, the heat and the humidity and like just the smell and the feeling of it so that yeah. that always gets me super inspired. Usually during those trips, um, by the end of the trip, I'm like, okay, cool, it's time to go go back home and and get to work on something something creative. So I mean, yeah, yeah sometimes either taking a, a bit of a, a break is great for avoiding burnout or just balancing yeah. your life, right? Like, I don't, I as much as I like to say, you know, yeah, get good really fast and like focus and do art all the time. There is that balance because like if you burn yourself out uh, a year into your studies or your career it's yeah. it's only gonna hurt you in the long term right so it's, yeah, it's all yeah, about yeah. that balance man yeah i mean definitely a lot of pros that i have spoken to have said that one of the things they regretted sometimes straight off was was the burnout factor was pushing themselves too hard initially and then when they got in the industry because they didn't take a break because you pushed yourself so much then as soon as you get a job you're back into the push because you're working again so you're almost in double burnout and then it makes it hard because you think you're in an industry you're trying to keep your job but at the same time not like die so it, it is a hard balance and i feel like that's a, a thing people still talk about you know to this day and, and it's still a conversation of especially now with the layoffs it's like how much should you sacrifice for a company how hard should you push yourself how much free overtime should you work yeah is it something you should invest in or should you look after yourself and i think it's difficult i mean now in the uk especially they've just formed a games union so if you sign up to that, they can obviously provide legal representation and things if you're laid off or you get dismissed, you know, unjustly. Um, but then if, you, if you're one of those guys who's like, you know, clocking out at half past five and going home, I would feel that, you know, people will be watching me leave and be like, oh, you know, half five, he's away home, you know, and... Uh, it's a difficult yeah, balance, right? That, you want to be there working, too, right? Because, yeah. like, I mean, there's there's both sides of that coin, right? The people sitting there, like, oh, you know, this guy is going home to this guy going home to his wife and kids or his family, or you know, going to enjoy his yeah. life. It's like, it's you know, uh, what what is it? It's like uh, live to work or or work to live, not live to work, or something yeah. like that. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. if it's some, I mean, there's people that are super passionate about making games and want to be there twelve hours a day. Like, if no one's yeah. no one's chaining them to their desk, right? They want to enjoy and do that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, uh, it's it's yeah, self awareness and also th choosing the company that you want to work for, right? Like that was one really awesome thing about Ubisoft is their work life balance is is super great. Um, right. Like they they don't never really like chain you to your desk or force you to work overtime, uh, and there's always lots of like you know outside of work activities going on and stuff like that. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean that that's that's like something that same thing self awareness. What what do you want to get out of it? Um, and uh, just figuring out that balance for yourself is, is something. But yeah, like for me, when I first got into the industry, I kind of stopped making personal projects for almost a few years just because like I was, I was getting enough creative satisfaction, um, you know, at work, working eight hours a day, doing like environments and stuff like that. And there, there was part of me like back in my more junior days where I would feel kind of guilty. I'd be like, oh, I should be doing art. And, you know, it, it is good to keep yourself like relevant and learn new programs and stuff like that, which you'll probably have to do on your own time. But to like yeah. have this idea of like if if I'm not working eight hours a day at work and then coming home and working four to five hours every night, 
uh, on my own art is that's that can become like insanity, I find. And you're just going to same thing, burn yourself out. And so, so for me nowadays, like I've, I've kind of removed that guilt factor of like, oh, I, I need to be making art. I'm like, you know what? Today, I don't feel like it. That's cool. I've, you know, gotten to a point in my career where I'm not, I don't have to like super sweat it, sweat it out and like, yeah, like that. But uh, it's, yeah, it's just balance, man. Yeah. I think I think just find it harder maybe because I'm in an industry at an age where most people are at your stage and, you know, they've worked enough that, you know, they can take a more, you know, like a relaxed approach and they've no got to kill it as much. But, you know, I'm, well, when I left my job, I was 27, 28. And now I'm 33, so because I went through, you know, like a four-year degree program and 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 done networking, but um, but yeah, it's like I'm almost well, no, almost, but I mean, in August I'll be hitting 34, and you know, I feel like you know, you're I'm trying to catch up with people who are a lot younger and and, and quicker than me, and and have got their kind of shit together, but I mean. I, Somebody always told me that, you know, age is irrelevant in this industry because, you know, you're going to have to work through your, what, 78 anyway, so you've got 30 plus years of work yeah, ahead of you. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. like t- for, for me, it's like I, I'll see, like, people that are, you know, in their, their early 20s that are just, like, badass artists, like, way better than me, and I'll just be like, oh, man, like, if I sat there and dwelled on that, like oh like uh, i've wasted 10 years in my life and i'm not that good but it's like looking at someone who's like a millionaire in their 20s like they build their own business or something right and being like fuck, yeah. fuck i'm not a millionaire at 20 like yeah uh, it, it's man comparison is like the root of uh, root of unhappiness in a lot of those cases it's so just to be like kind of focus on what you're doing and don't really don't worry about anyone else i mean it's it's good yeah. to compare your work to like people that are better than you in a constructive way to be like oh well, can i learn what's you know the missing in the gap of the work but not to let like let that reflect on you as a person right it's like they're not a better person than you you know you're not a better person than them uh it's, it's just like it's just it is what it is and uh you take what you can from it and just you know leave the rest and don't don't let it get you down man yeah i mean there was there was definitely a, a post I, I put on facebook this morning and it was probably the most attraction i had ever get to a post i'd ever put in my facebook and it was um somebody just saying oh let's you know check another artist page and then it was like you know artists that i think are better than me and then like the, the like the blast from the computer just increases as it's like same age or younger and then it's like just started <laughs> like, just started a year ago it's like you're oh jesus because yeah. like as a daily struggle i think everybody he opens art station in the morning and they're like, oh, fuck me, man. Like, there's so much stuff. Oh, it, you know, it's just... constant. And I mean, yeah. like, it's it's the same thing as Instagram, man. Like, you're only seeing a, a part of the picture, right? Like, someone yeah. could post, post up a dope image and be like, yeah, took me two hours. Did it really? <laughs> Who knows, right? Like, there's the whole yeah. humble brag thing. Like, that's why I, I take it with a grain of salt. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a yeah. dope image. And what can I learn from it? They like, maybe save it to my collections, you know, as, as inspiration yeah. later on. But uh, yeah. to, to sit there and, and to, you know, oh man, this person's better than me. How am I going to, yeah. you know, ruin my own day by just dwelling on that? Like it's, it's yeah. a bad habit to fall into. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people have kind of posted stuff about it recently saying that, you know, you need to use that stuff really just to fuel you and make you inspired about your next project and, and, you know, uh, pull things apart. You know, if you see something that is a lot more awesome than your work, then think, well, why is it more awesome? What is it that's separating it from your work at the moment? And then try and integrate those tools into your own stuff. So yeah, do um, like a quick, like 80, yeah. 20 analysis on it. Like what are the, what's the 20% of their, their art that is giving them the 80, 80% of the bang for the buck, you know, so that I can learn maybe their lighting is just better. So if I improved my lighting, there you go, there's a, a huge gain or, you know, maybe their, their materials are slightly more interesting. There's a huge yeah. gain to be learned right there. Right. It's a lot of people just like, look at it as a whole and be like oh my god i'll never get there but if you start breaking it down like what's the difference okay they're they're you know their textures are a little bit better their lighting's a bit better it's you know 
their their design sense is is vastly improved from years of experience. Like I look at yeah. the the guys works uh, at Gorilla, like all of their designs or their mechanical design is phenomenal. <laughs> look, yeah. And that's one of the things I struggle with, right? Like sci-fi and mechanical design. So for me to sit yeah. there and be like, oh my God, it's so complicated. I'll never get there. Mm. It's like, man, just start studying mechanical design. Yeah, I think that's because for many years they had Mike Hill employed as well as York van Welbergen, who like are two guys who just kill that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, they like the they, they actually employ like industrial engineers, <laughs> like yeah, like yeah, that are, much that just are people who are designing like that, things. Yeah. So it's yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like just to kind of wrap up at the end, I mean, you talked about like your feudal Japan challenge because that was what I noticed or had the biggest impact from the stuff you were posting. With that whole environment and the, oh, and congrats on the second place by oh, the way, thanks, that was man. really awesome. Yeah. So where was your original inspiration from? Where I mean I know you, you talked about in your 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 videos basically, you know, you were building mood boards, you were setting the scene, you were trying to work out with walkouts where you wanted stuff. I mean, I, I suppose I said a synopsis to the whole ten minutes. What is your approach to building environments or or what can you what have you learned from the, that process that you think would be instrumental in teaching people how to work within real time and environments? Yeah, I I would say like for environment stuff, um, for, for me, like it really helped having a, a concept to work from. So like if I try and sit there and imagine everything myself or try and come up with something like I'm not, that's not my strong suit. And uh, so like having just going and like browsing concept art on ArtStation for me, like a lot of people are like, Oh, I don't know if I should recreate this artist's 2d concept. I'm like, if it's on ArtStation, it's pretty much fair game. Like, yeah, give, yeah. give them, you know, send them a message. Be like, Hey, I'm going to tackle this concept. But like, it's mm. that's, that's the way it is like these days, right? Yeah, like yeah. people blast out artwork. Just, you work from an established concept. Don't try and like start from square one, right? So, uh, and yeah, use references. That's like a big point that I made. Um, and then just play play to your strong suits. So if yeah. if you're really good at sci-fi, then you know just go all in on that and just be a, a badass sci-fi artist, and you'll probably get really good at that and get a job really quickly like that. Um, but yeah, man, just work from. Don't try and come up with things yourself if you're not good at it. And, uh, I mean, like a lot of people these days, they're afraid to kit bash or say maybe like, uh, use mega scans in their portfolio. Or if, if you're like, if you're a lighting artist, use all of those freely released scenes and create a dope portfolio like that. Like there's so much free yeah. content. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not cheating. It's not stealing. It's like you're yeah. a lighting artist. So just focus on the lighting. Um, and yeah. that would be something like a student could focus on too, is like if, if they're in a, a class, uh, Mm-hmm. they could collab with other artists in their class if they're maybe they want to work with a level designer or a to do the the layout or a, te- a texture artist to do all their textures as long as you kind of like clearly say what you're doing on that project yeah. it's man trying to do everything yourself is is quickly becoming impossible but just because the process of making game art is getting so much more complicated so you either have to really reduce your scope and that's that's a big tip i would give to like any student is reduce reduce your scope as much as possible um because i see like students like i'm going to create an entire city and it's it's not going to look good (laughs) that's like the biggest red flag for me it's like just do a a corner of a building like the corner of a street like something like that um and reduce your scope and just make it something that's manageable right so and that that way you can focus on okay i'm going to make three textures i don't have to make 20 and get overwhelmed so yeah balance your workload yeah, I mean, yeah, like, really when I important. first started out, I think the first thing I ever tackled is something everybody tackles, which is the sci-fi corridor. Like, one corridor. Everybody does it. With, with a door. Yeah, like, so. Um, but then I feel I feel like um, with your project, even the small yard that you made up, 
like what stood up to me in that whole project was one the materials and two the lighting i felt like they were the things that were like the standout parts for me anyway just the the overall atmosphere i think was what really caught me just yeah. the whole mood for, of... for me like lighting and mood are probably like my biggest strong suit um to be honest i actually don't even enjoy modeling uh, that much uh, it's, it's just part of the process. So I try and, you know, I, I always say try and enjoy the process as much as you can. So I kind of try and right. get into it. Uh, I like sculpting mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but like I focus my time doing the things that I enjoy doing. And I, I knew in the back end, I'm like, okay, I'll be able to use my lighting and like, you know, my ability with composition and stuff like that to make this look good. So I'm not going to get too lost in the weeds of like, is my, my mesh super clean or amazing? Like I, I'm not, no one's going to see the wireframe. Uh, and I, I just played to my strong suits. So that, that would be a, yeah. a big thing is like find something you're good at and that you enjoy and mm-hmm. just go all in in that. Because I see a lot of, of students be like, oh, should I be a character artist? Should I be a, an environment artist? There's more environment artist jobs. But the thing is, if if you really are passionate about doing characters, yeah, it might take you like an extra year to get into the industry or to get good at because there's, you know, the, the job balance is usually there's like say four or five character artists and then there's like 10 environment artists on a team right so it might yeah. take you longer to get in but once you get in you're not going to get burnt out because you're actually going to enjoy what you're doing on a daily basis 100%. so it, yeah. yeah having that scarcity mentality of like i'm going to go for what's readily available even though i don't really enjoy it because i'm just going to try and get the money to do it like uh it's yeah. a big mistake so yeah play, yeah play to your strengths and what you're passionate about like if you want to be a texture artist make make textures all day like don't don't feel you have to do everything if you're in school like it's school is a good opportunity to taste everything like yeah make a character make a environment and like yeah it's not all going to look amazing but it gives you the ability to to sample what you enjoy doing and that that's probably Uh, the biggest win of school i would say i think also with that as well is a good point that i think was made to me a while back was that once you're in the industry and once you've got that first initial foot in the door you don't have to do the job you were initially hired for like the rest of your life like you can if you're dedicated enough you know after your job and you want to learn another skill set you can switch roles oh yeah you know throughout the time you're you're an artist because you're alive for like however many years so like you know it's not impossible i mean one of the flip normal podcasts i listened to recently there was a guy who basically worked on environments for i think a solid five years and then at night he was doing character stuff and then eventually got a shot at being a character artist and yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I, I know people that have been, like, say, uh, an environment artist, then a lighting artist, then moved on to be an art director, then they're like, oh, I actually don't enjoy that that much. I'm going to go back to being a lighting artist. Or, you know, like, they, yeah. they go and they switch around. And it's there's no, not, nothing set in stone, right? Like, if, if suddenly I wanted to become a texture artist, I could buckle down and become a texture artist by focusing yeah. on doing that. So, I mean, it's just do do what you enjoy. That's the biggest thing is is don't yeah. get locked into something you don't enjoy doing. Yeah, because you got to be doing it for forty hours a week, so you want to make sure that you know <laughs> yeah. you have some enjo- some enjoyment in it, or it's really going to be hard. Because um, yeah, you have to be in there Monday to Friday, um, ninety five. Then yeah, sure, you need to be making sure you have some fun in what you do. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, like like, there's a lot of students that are like, oh, I'm gonna get a job as a game tester, and then that'll be my foot in the door. But then they're gonna be miserable because they have to work, you know, extra overtime, and they don't have time yeah. to work on their art, right? So I mean, yeah, it can be a way into the industry, but are you gonna be happy doing it? who knows right yeah definitely yeah i mean like i mean i even know people who are environment artists but then even environment artists can split off into like you know like they do more technical art so they build like tool sets or, or tools or research for the the next project or some guys actually get heavy into concept and then become like almost like environment 3d environments who can also do really awesome 2d concept stuff as well yeah for sure um 
so there's there's even different avenues within that you know that you can you can branch out to so yeah you're never really tied down to one job yeah um, I, I would say so. focused on getting really good at one skill set until you get your first yeah. job like yeah. instead of trying to be a generalist like either become like you know an environment artist an asset artist character artist like just hammer on that until you're basically when you when you get your first job and you're being paid professionally to do it that's that's the quickest way to do it is just focus on one core skill set but then you know who's to say like after you've, you're in the industry or whatever and you want to branch out like you said just start doing other things but like i think yeah. the people that kind of gets in the, that you know uh, i'm gonna try and do everything when they're first starting it's it really slows yeah. them down right and they're like why can't i get a job it's because your portfolio is full of like a half-assed well not half-assed but like half good concept uh, a random character like uh, a rock sculpt and like a gun model and it's like you're you're not showing that you're excellent at one thing um yeah i mean i've done that for so many years i've done that like i I basically was like oh i'd love to do some content i'd love to do this that and the other and that's probably what i think has been my biggest mistake the last couple of years and it was mostly because i just didn't know enough about the industry but then i see the same mistakes like even last year at thu a student was showing me his portfolio and you know i was saying to him i said oh no you know this a lot of these pieces are really good but what is it you actually want to do? Because, you know, you had like a character, you had an environment, you had a weapon. And I was like, do you want to be a yeah. generalist or do you want to do something? Specific? Oh, I want to do characters. I was like, well, you know, you need to fill your art station with characters. Like that's what yeah. you need to have here. I mean, I mean a lot of that so. stuff, it's good. Like I said, figuring out what you enjoy doing. Like you almost have mm-hmm. to go through that phase. Like I definitely did when I was way back in like high school, I would, I would make characters, environments, mm. you know, everything. But like once you kind yeah. of, this is what's for me. Like once I just, I decided environment art, I really like architecture. I just went yeah. all in on it. And, uh, and that's yeah. what helped me get a job by the time I was 20. Right. It's like, I just started making environments. That's, and as soon as I made that switch, uh, that my skill set in environment art got me to like industry ready, probably in like a fraction of the time uh, of that six yeah. years where I was practicing, it probably took me like two years to get good instead of the, oh, you know, yeah. the other four dabbling around. So, because if an outsource manager or an art director looks at your portfolio and he's like, "This guy's pumping out environments like every month," oh, well, yeah. well, we can hire him then. Yeah, so, I mean, they're yeah. they're looking to hire for a specific role. So that the, if yeah. if they open your portfolio and it bashes them over the head with environment artists, and they literally have a job opening that says, "We're looking for three environment artists," like it's it's yeah. a, a no brainer, right? And if they have to, yeah, basically, you want your portfolio to answer as many questions as possible. <laughs> like they shouldn't look at your portfolio and be like, "What what is this person?" do exactly yeah. is he doing weapons is he doing characters i'm not too sure yeah. is, is, is he a one weapon and... is he a, yeah. uh, you know i mean it's the the, yeah. the more questions you can remove the the better your chances of just scoring an interview and uh, yeah. getting a job so definitely yeah visibility i think is one thing that is hard enough and i know people overcoming that with just making custom thumbnails for their art station pcs and including stuff like marmoset viewers and stuff you know because then that oh, stands yeah. them out from everybody else yeah so. like don't underestimate your thumbnail for sure that's oh god yeah, yeah it's like same for youtube videos everything like that's what i'm experimenting with right now it's like making thumbnails that make people actually click and watch your youtube video it's the exact same for ArtStation, right like yeah. it's just getting that attention that's that's all it is yeah. getting attention to your work yeah definitely i mean the clickbait stuff seems like a bit of scam at the time but sometimes it's the only way you can stand out it's like a like a pink shirt and a sea of white sweaters like i mean it's exactly. just it's the only way you're gonna the only way you're gonna really stand out is to be different so you need the, yeah, the quality to, to be there after they click but you need to get them to actually click to look at your stuff initially so yeah, yeah yeah i mean that's i mean we've been a podcast now for two and a half years and 
I'm only at maybe you know 1500 subscribers but it's mostly just because you know I've not really built visibility the, the podcast was there as a side project and and you know but then if you are looking to build the audience then sure you need to be throwing out something that people want to click on daily um, and I think it's just harder as well because you know the industry is so small you know the people who want to listen to my podcast are only going to be people who are students or industry you know industry professionals so you know you're never going to get like the views like pewdiepie gets and stuff because i'm not sitting playing games or anything you know so yeah for sure but yeah. i mean like you, you should never underestimate the uh the the power of a niche audience too right like i know i know plenty of people would like say like a you know ten thousand subscribers on their youtube that are making like a crazy amount of money so it's yeah it's uh it's it's not just you know oh i need if it's not gonna be a million subscribers there's no point so it's uh yeah yeah, yeah. definitely i mean there's even uh one of the guys I interviewed a while back modern day james i don't know if you've heard of that guy but um james murphy he's basically a guy who was like a, a musician in, in a, a band called uh painted in exile and he left basically to pursue a career in art and he just locked himself in his, his, his mom's basement for a year and learned um, illustration and all aspects of it and now he's working at brainstorm in la with a couple of the guys up there um james packing that and and then he now is running his own youtube channel he does kind of daily or every other day streams he does online you know tutorials and and teaches people now for for brainstorm but yeah, he's been one of the greatest examples, I would say, of, of people who want to make art their brand. Like, he's just been making some um, some crazy waves in, in YouTube and Gumroad and other things. Um, and it kind of shows that, yeah, you can have a lot of good visibility as an artist as well as as well as well uh, posting up videos. So Yeah, for uh, sure. I mean, like, if, if, say, you do get laid off and you have this big track record of putting out all this uh, extra content that shows you're really passionate about what you do, I mean, that's just yeah. going to give you a leg up, like over someone that's like, oh, here's my basic three image art station portfolio. You know what I mean? Like yeah. th that they probably had to, they maybe didn't update because they were, you know, comfortable in the industry or something like that. And then all of a sudden yeah. the shit hits the fan and it's like, uh oh, time to update art yeah. station with, uh, you no, know, no, definitely. All the yeah. game artwork. I mean, so. Yeah, because I'm saying like, oh no, there's a niche and there's maybe not now. I mean, James has like 150,000 subscribers. So, I mean, there's definitely people out there who will want to learn. Um, um stuff like that so yeah um okay cool so i mean um i've kept him for long enough so we'll, we'll probably wrap it up there um but um if you guys haven't noticed already i'm going to leave some links in the description um tim has just put out some um i think it's lighting packs for for unreal um yeah, some yeah. stuff like, on mm, gumroad. Some presets for uh for gumroad yeah and uh, and then ice gumroad is full of other stuff as well um tutorials and then i'll leave some links for polygon as well in the academy um and then and then yeah just can check out his stuff um his art station as well see some of his awesome stuff and, and, and leave some some love um just to just to thank tim for coming on again and giving up his time it was really nice of him thank you very much oh, man for coming on it was a pleasure. pleasure yeah thanks yeah, for having really me really awesome yeah definitely and uh and again guys uh just keep an eye on the podcast we'll have more episodes coming out i'm going to make sure these are going to be quite regular um on the lead up to me um you know, posting more stuff. So just keep an eye on Facebook and other social media uh, places and uh, we'll see you again. Um, yeah, okay. Thanks, guys. See you later.